scripture this morning is Hosea 14, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all guilt, accept that which is good, and we will offer the fruits of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. We will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan, find mercy. I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall strike root like the forest of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive tree and his fragrance like that of Lebanon. They shall again live beneath my shadow. They shall flourish as a garden. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fragrance shall be like the wine of Lebanon. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, um, today is Father's Day, and I do want to thank all of you father figures in the world uh, who do so much for so many people in so many magnificent ways. And so, as we continue in our uh, min- in, in this sermon series on major messages for minor prophets, I decided that today we would talk about one of the most impressive father figures, in my opinion, in all of Scripture. Hosea. Uh, Many of you who have been in a Bible study with me on Hosea know that Hosea is one of my favorite books in the Bible because of the way that it attests to the great love of God no matter what we do. And so we're going to unpack a little bit about this uh, later, but as we get started with this and you hear me make the claim that I believe Hosea is one of the most impressive father figures in all of Scripture, you might end up changing your mind whenever you learn a little bit more about Hosea. For instance, The names of Hosea's children. Let's get into this. Hosea had, uh, with uh, his wife, whom we're going to talk about in a moment, had three children. The first, Jezreel. Jezreel, uh, this child, the firstborn, his name stands for God sows, or more specifically, God sows punishment. Or God is about to bring vengeance. Uh, Something along those lines. Okay, that's child number one. Um, That's a strange name. Uh, Child number two. Then we have Lo-Ru-Hamah. Lo-Ru-Hamah is a name that means not pitied. Not pitied. Oof. Okay. That's that's pretty brutal. If you're going to name a child something um, not pitied, is probably not the way you want to go. And then we get to Hosea's third child, which uh, the name is Lo-Ami. Lo-Ami. And this name means not my people. So we have God sows punishment, not pitied, and not my people. 
the three names of Hosea's children. And this is a point where most people are thinking, yeah, Hosea's not a great father figure already. That's not something you should do to your children, right? <laughs> so now let's get into who Hosea is. Hosea is a minor prophet, as you know, major messages from minor prophets. Hosea was a prophet to the nation of Israel before their exile. Hosea is what we call a sign act prophet. In other words, the things that he does are meant to be metaphorical to what God is trying to speak to the people. And sign act prophets typically do pretty dramatic things. For example, uh, Ezekiel is another uh, sign act prophet, and he ends up cooking his food over poop. Um, yeah. Sinai prophets are weird. And so Hosea ends up naming his children, God says punishment, not pitied, and not my people. As a sign act to the people of God, that this is what God is trying to convey to the people. That, in other words, God is about to do something pretty dramatic. And why is that? Why is God about to do something so dramatic? Well, the answer comes in who Hosea takes as a wife. Um, a little parental advisory warning right now. We're going to get pretty real with the Bible, and I will be um, using the words of the Bible in order to convey this. God tells Hosea, and this is in uh, verse 2 of chapter 1 of Hosea. I, I apologize, parents, but here it is. Uh, Go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom. And have children of whoredom. So um, Hosea goes and marries a prostitute. Okay, now we are in the you know adult content portion of the sermon. That's all fun, uh, but this it's in the Bible. So you know if you're going to teach your children the Bible, we can go ahead and have these kind of talks too, I guess. So remember, Hosea is a Sinaitic prophet trying to tell the people a message from God, and the message from God is God is about to sow punishment. Because God will not have pity on the people because the people are not God's people anymore. Why? Because the people have been acting like prostitutes. They've been just kind of selling themselves to whoever will give them money. And that's exactly what the people have been doing. Here's a little um, ec uh, economical context to the Israelite people during the time of Hosea. So Israel, remember, used to be this great nation under King David, and then Solomon came, and then Solomon's children ended up kind of ruining things. Um, and then the kingdom of Israel gets split into two, the northern kingdom, which is Israel, and the southern kingdom, which is Judah. And because they split themselves in two, uh, they're no longer a great nation anymore. That's kind of what happens when you divide yourself. Uh, you know, the, the whole, a house divided cannot stand. Yeah, that, that whole thing. And so the people of Israel begin trying to find ways in order to protect themselves. Since they're no longer a great nation, now they have to figure out some way to survive without being conquered by another empire. So, there are two major empires which are rising up on either side of them. The first is the Egyptian empire, which has been rising up for a long time. Uh, they've kind of had their dips and uh, their ups and downs, but there's Egypt on one side of them, and on the other side of them is the kingdom of Assyria. And Assyria is this mighty foe that's rising up. And so Israel tries to play this game in which they say, 
okay, we're going to pay this much money to Egypt and this much money to Assyria so that neither one of them will take us over and we can try to still live in peace right where we are. Seems like a pretty good idea, I guess. Um, but this is what they end up doing. They end up buying their protection from those around them. And you might recall from a couple of years earlier, whenever the people pledged themselves to be God's people alone. But now the people are selling themselves to others in order to you know, make their living. So what we have here is this example of what the Bible calls prostitution. Israel is prostituting itself to other nations instead of being solely for God. So, this is where Hosea comes into the picture as a Sinact prophet to say, okay, people of Israel, this is what you're doing. And so Hosea marries a prostitute as an example that God's people are selling themselves. And then they have children whose names are God sows punishment, not to be pitied, and not my people as a way of saying, okay, because you, are, you have prostituted yourself in this way, this is the fruit of what you have committed to. In other words, God is saying, all right, if you don't want me, I'm gonna step back and you can do whatever you feel is necessary. Skip ahead a couple of years and guess what ends up happening? Assyria gets pretty fed up with Israel and their uh, small, meager payments. And so Assyria just comes in and takes over all of Israel and says, you're now ours. You belong to us. We're conquering you and throwing you into exile. That's exactly what happens. And then a couple of years down the road, the Babylonians come in and do the exact same thing with the people of Judah. So <laughs> a lot of political chaos going on here. I bet you didn't know the Bible is filled with so much of it uh, like our world is today. But here we are, humanity is doomed to repeat itself far too many times. This is the message of Hosea. And then we get to our scripture lesson today, which is at the very end of Hosea. So we just started off with the beginning in uh, chapter one. We now get to the very end of Hosea in which God says, chapter 14, verse one, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, take away all guilt except that which is good and we will offer the fruit of our lips. And so across the book of Hosea, we get from this point in which the people are giving themselves to other nations and trying to find other sources of hope outside of God, all the way to the point where the people are starting to realize, oh wait, we've made a mistake. There is a beautiful hymn, number 400, in our hymnal. It's one of my favorite hymns. It's called Come Thou Fount. And in it, uh, there's a, a really beautiful line that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The author of this hymn uh, several years after writing the hymn and it got published and everything, the author ended up finding himself in a pretty low place. Left the church, abandoned his faith altogether. One Sunday morning, he found himself out stuck in the rain when a carriage stopped in front of him and picked him up. Inside the carriage was a woman who held within her hands two books. The woman was going to church that morning. 
And she told the man that's where she was going and asked him if he would want to come as well. He said, no, that's not really something I do anymore. I've left that faith a long time ago. After a little bit more of their conversation, she ends up realizing who he is. She opens one of the books that she has with her and says to him, aren't you the person who wrote this line? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. To which he then ends up breaking down, weeping, and realizing this point, in, this point that he's reached in his life and ends up going to church with her that morning and finding his path once again. But it's such a serious thing that we need to consider. We as humanity, from the very beginning, have always been prone to wander. That's just who we are. It's in our very nature. Prone to wander. Prone to leave the God we love. We've always been doing it. For as long as we have documented history of humanity, we have been running away from God. And then we'll have some moments in which we run back to God and say, oh, yes, this is what we want in our lives. But then we'll start going a different direction and saying, oh, actually, we think this would be better for us. And we always think that we know what's best for us, and so we start running in other directions. And my friends, I want us to open our eyes right now in this moment and recognize for just a moment, where have we been running to? To what things or what people have we been running to in order to find our own hope? Perhaps it's money. We're still in a bit of an economic turmoil in our nation, and so perhaps we've been running to money for comfort, realizing that, you know, this is a pretty turbulent time. Our only source of hope is going to be the money that we can accumulate. Maybe we've been flocking to politicians or leaders and saying, these people have the right ideas that we need in order to change our world. And so we flock to them and say, this is where our hope will be found. Maybe we've been turning inwardly to ourselves and saying, I know what's best. I know what needs to be done. I know how to take care of myself and my people. I'm just going to trust and hope in myself. I want us to seriously open our eyes this morning and ask, where are we wandering to? For what have we been leaving the God we love? And I need us to seriously, and I mean seriously, consider this for this time. Because we are a people prone to wander. And perhaps you're sitting there thinking, nah, I just kind of, I just kind of stick with God. That's, that's where I stick. That's where I stay. I love God and God alone, and so, you know, I don't really need other things in my life. To which I often have to ask people, then why aren't you living that? Because you see, whenever we actually are sticking with God, then we end up going where God goes. And as we've been talking about the past two weeks and major messages from minor prophets, we know that God goes to where the poor and oppressed are. God goes to where the least, the lost, the lonely, and unloved are. And if we're not there, then we're probably not going with God. We're probably out wandering on our own. 
And so for this, for the rest of this uh, series today, you know, I'm not going to be talking about the intense justice and righteousness stuff we've been talking about the past two weeks. Instead, I want us to now look at a soul check, to check in on ourselves and say, are we on the right path? Or are we out wandering in the wilderness? This is something we seriously need to consider because eventually, whether we learn it right now or we learn it the hard way later, we're going to realize that whatever we're trying to give ourselves to is not going to be enough for us. It's not going to satisfy. It's only going to disappoint us. In Hosea, after he marries the prostitute, um, she ends up leaving him again, going back to the life that uh, she knows, and he ends up going back after her. But we are often just like that. We end up going back to the life we know, even though we might have found something better in Christ. We still go back to taking care of ourselves the best way we know how, and not trusting in God. And so I want us to really consider this morning what we might be wandering to because sooner or later we're going to have to realize the same thing that Israel realizes. After a time of their wandering, after a time of their selling themselves to the highest bidder or really whoever will give them anything, the people of, uh, the people of Israel realize this message in verse 3. It's very easy for us to pass over this, this verse but we need to consider it. Verse 3 says, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. We will say no more, our God, to the works of our hands. This is a very heavy verse. And here's why. For the people of Israel to realize, Assyria shall not save us, They've just come to understand, oh wait, we've put our trust and our hope in the wrong thing. We've given everything to that which is going to destroy us. By the way, Israel gets destroyed by Assyria. Spoiler alert. But that ends up, that's what ends up happening. And the people had to learn the hard way, that lesson, that Assyria will not save us. Even though they thought that by giving themselves to that which seemed like the most powerful entity in their world for protection, it still wasn't enough. They were destroyed in the end. It took a long, hard lesson for them to realize, oh, we should have been turning to God all along. And then we get to this point. We will say no more, our God to the works of our hands. In other words, we will no longer say that what we make for ourselves is good enough to replace God. Think about that message for a moment. No more will we say to ourselves that the works of our hands are good enough to replace God. What things in our lives have we said, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that this thing is more important than God right now? I mean, it could be anything. Right now, my job is more important than God. Right now, this is more important than God, or this is more important than God. Whatever we may put in our path, if it's something other than God, then we are saying the works of our hands are more important than God. And it took Israel going the hard way, taking the, the worst path possible to realize there's only one God. That's what we said in our greeting this morning. 
There's only one God, and that's the God whom we need to be looking out for. Why? Because this is the most important lesson that could ever be taught in Hosea. God sticks with us even when we fight to run away. Take that in for a moment. God sticks with us even when we fight to run away, even when we are prone to wander, even when we are prone to leave the God we love, even though we might think that we know what's best for us and we go after that, God still sticks with us. God relentlessly pursues us. Even whenever Hosea's wife returns to a life of prostitution, Hosea returns to her as a sign act that God still returns to us even whenever we start selling ourselves out to the the other things of this world. God sticks with us because of God's unending love. This is the most powerful message that we could ever receive from any point in Scripture, that no matter how far we may run, no matter how horrible things may be, no matter what we may be doing wrong, God's love remains with us, not leaving us for even a moment. God says in verse 4, I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall strike root in the forest of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive tree. His fragrance like that of Lebanon. They shall again live beneath my shadow. They shall flourish as a garden. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fragrance shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, also a name for for Israel, what have I to do with idols? Is it I who answer and look after you? I am like an evergreen cypress. Your faithfulness comes from me. Those who are wise understand these things, and those who are discerning know them, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but the transgressors stumble in them. God is here to say, I know that you are prone to wander. I know that you are prone to leave me. I know that you might rather give yourself to other things in this world, but it doesn't matter. I'm coming after you with a relentless love that you will not get away from. Paul even says later on in the New Testament, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor anything in heaven above or below the earth could ever separate us from the love of God. This is what Hosea is getting at in his own words, whereas God says, I'm coming back for you. As far as you might run, my unending love will be there with you. I will love you freely. Take that in. Because here's the thing that we need to realize. That unending love that God is coming after us with isn't just a love that we're supposed to say, oh, that's really sweet and that's really nice. It's a kind of love that's supposed to change us a kind of love that's supposed to move in and through us and make us realize our lives are empty without this same love pouring out from us. And so, my challenge for us today is simply the same that comes from the verse 1 of chapter 14 in Hosea. Return to the Lord your God. 
That's it. Return. Run toward the love of God. Because we are a people prone to wander. We are a people prone to turn our attention, our affection, our giving, our everything to the things of this world. And we can either choose to learn this lesson today or learn it the hard way, but we're going to realize that the things of this world will not satisfy, not like the unending love of our God who relentlessly pursues us, even in the midst of our disobedience, even when we do wander and leave the God we love. So take our hearts, take and seal them for your courts above, O Lord. I hope that this major message from our minor prophet today will make an impact on your life as we think about one of the greatest father figures that we have, God. The God whom no matter how many foolish things we may do, no matter how many times we may run away, no matter how many times we may think we know best, still comes after us with an unending love. So let us be a people who choose to respond to that unending love with our own devotion, declaring to God, we are your people. Forgive us and change us. And let us pray this morning.